0: The Holy Gospel for this third Sunday in the season of Lent is from John, chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, And from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, amen. Today, we heard the story of Jesus going to the temple in Jerusalem. At the temple, he notices all the money transactions going on. And he's very aware that many people, especially the poor people, are being cheated. So Jesus drives out the money changers. Jesus drives out those who are selling sheep and goats and turtle doves, And then Jesus says with a determined voice, stop making my father's house into a marketplace. The Gospels of Matthew and Luke have Jesus saying something different, more powerful. Stop making my father's house into a den of robbers. Our mind's eye image is of an angry Jesus chasing people out of the temple. Like on the slide you see before you on the screen right now. We think the whole issue here is keeping the temple clear of any commercial activity. And of course, the temple should definitely not be a place where people are cheated. Of course not. As sometimes happens, in fact, more times than I can tell you, a confirmation student has helped me understand a deeper meaning to a biblical story. And this is a prime example, this particular story of Jesus in the temple. Confirmands have a way of seeing past much of what we take for granted or assume is a correct interpretation. Well, this particular student raised her hand years ago and asked me the question, Pastor Mike, why does Jesus seem so upset only about people getting cheated in the temple? Wouldn't Jesus be upset if people were cheated anywhere? I thought to myself and said, hmm, I think you're onto something. Of course, Jesus would be about would be upset about anyone being cheated anywhere. There must be some additional purpose to this story. And I said, let me do some research. Well, research I did. And it led me to a deep dive into the meaning of this story. I learned that this story about Jesus in the temple is related to a passage from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 7. Look it up. In that chapter, Jeremiah was critical of the people of the city of Jerusalem because the people of the city of Jerusalem thought God would justify basically anything they did, even oppression of the poor, simply because they paid their dues to the temple, made their sacrifices, and were of the right religion. In that chapter 7 of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was critical of the people of Jerusalem. And he described the temple at that time as being like a den of robbers. And that phrase opened up a deeper meaning. I came to realize why Matthew and Luke described the temple as a, quote, den of robbers rather than, as John says, a marketplace. Have you ever been to a real den of robbers? I tried once. It was back in my college days. A friend of mine and I were going to Wyoming, and he was a history buff. And he said, let's look for the hole in the wall where the criminals Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid head out. So we drove and drove and drove into Wyoming. But we never did find the hole in the wall because we were about to run out of gas. Some of you may remember the gas crisis back in the 1970s. People would wait in long lines to fill up their tanks, do you remember? Well, that's about the time we were traveling, so we had to turn back. We couldn't find the hole in the wall, that den of the robbers, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. We returned to Mount Rushmore, where we were working. We were disappointed. Now, I share this story with you because It was at that time that I came to understand den of robbers. I understood it differently than I ever had before. I always thought a den of robbers was a dangerous place, but it was the opposite. A den of robbers, the hole in the wall, is a safe place for the robbers to go. And that's exactly the point of Jeremiah, the exact point Jeremiah is trying to make. Jeremiah basically said, you people of Jerusalem are like robbers you are oppressing the poor, you neglect the widow and the orphan, you focus only on your own wealth, and you ignore justice. Then, then you come to the temple, you make your sacrifices, you hear the priests say how special and chosen you are, and you think you're safe. The temple has become your safe place, a place to justify even your sinful actions, a place where you twist the word of God to fit your own interpretation. The temple has become a den of robbers for you. At least that's what Jeremiah said to the people in his century. It was now that I came to understand the story of Jesus in the temple in a brand new way. That confirmation student opened the door for me. Now I know the story is about much more than commercial activity in the temple. It's about using the temple, using religion, using theology to justify selfish and unjust behavior in the world. Jesus was upset because the temple was being misused. It was becoming a safe, quote, den of robbers. Using the temple, that is religion, to justify injustice has become just as common today and throughout history. Now, I look around, now I read history, and I realize we continually misuse religion, theology, church-going, surface piety to justify just about anything, just like the people in Jeremiah's day. In the Antebellum South, nearly all the white churches preached preached from the pulpit a message that sought to promote slavery, that it was a right and God-given institution. It was sanctioned by the Bible. The church, the temple, became like a den of robbers of freedom. After the Civil War, the Ku Klux Klan claimed to be a Christian organization Christian nationalism, they call it. And they used their corrupt interpretation of Christianity to justify violent racism, anti-Semitism, and hatred of anyone who was a foreigner. They used Christianity as a kind of den of safety, again, to justify themselves and their behavior. In the 1930s, Germany... Both the Roman Catholic and the Lutheran churches officially supported the Nazi movement. The churches became temples of justification, temples of safety for those Nazi robbers. And it opened the door to the most appalling atrocities. Today, there's a movement in American theology called the Prosperity Gospel. The prosperity gospel emphasizes that God wants all of us to be blessed with material wealth and comfort, with material abundance. While that may be true to a certain extent, the Bible consistently teaches that what God really wants is equality and justice and compassion and sacrifice and service. The prosperity gospel can easily become like a temple of justification for a lifetime pursuit of indulgence and selfishness. The prosperity gospel can easily become like a den of robbers, a a safe place to go, like the temple was in Jesus' day. One of the saddest misuses of the Christian message was evident this past January 6th when Trump supporters attacked our democracy at the Capitol building. A cross was carried past a hastily constructed gallows, which was complete with a noose hanging down. Signs which read, Jesus saves, were side by side with Confederate flags and neo-Nazi insignias and stopped to steal posters. Proud Boys and other militia members knelt at the cross on the steps of the Capitol and they prayed before they stormed forward killing one of the police officers there. January 6th was a perfect example of using theology, using religion as a cover to justify crimes of violence. Today's Gospel lesson is about People using religious cover to justify themselves. Jesus was not just chastising people in the temple for cheating the poor or turning the temple into a quote, marketplace. Jesus was condemning the misuse of God's holy word to justify that cheating and, by extension, other injustice in history. Jesus would also condemn the white preachers prior to the Civil War for daring to justify slavery as sanctioned by God. Jesus would have condemned the Ku Klux Klan for daring to use a burning cross as a symbol of hatred. Jesus would have condemned the Lutherans and the Catholics in Germany who gave Nazis the green light. Jesus would condemn the prosperity gospel today as a shallow justification for pure selfishness, Jesus would condemn those Trump supporters who dared use Christianity to justify bigotry and violence and hatred. They have all turned Christianity into a den of robbers, and Jesus will have none of it. The story of Jesus driving out the money changers could be retitled, Jesus Destroys the Den of Justification. Never in scripture was Jesus more upset than when he witnessed the corruption of religion to justify an unholy agenda. To this very day, it is true. We continue to create, quote, dens of religious safety to justify what is often our own preconceived political or economic or cultural points of view. Too often, we start with our own points of view. And then we look for scripture passages which seem to support our own ideas. Too often, we have our own agendas before we even start our religious quest. And so we find what we want to find, and we're able to rationalize almost any behavior. The antidote. The antidote is to study, study, study God's holy word coming to us through the scripture. The antidote is to embrace the true teachings of Jesus. The antidote is simply to listen to Jesus' words and to take them seriously. You know Jesus' words. Love your enemy as yourself. Turn the other cheek. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Care for the orphan and the widow. Welcome the stranger. Heal the sick. Visit the prisoners. House the homeless. Do not return violence for violence. In some ways, it all boils down to the letters that were on that Christian bracelet for many years ago. Do you, any of you remember WWJD? What would Jesus do? When we consider our own politics, our own ethics, our own relationships, we'll not use religious cover for our own preconceived ideas or actions. Rather, In all situations, we will simply ask ourselves the question, what would Jesus do here? What would Jesus say here? Such is God's holy word for all of us today. Amen.